1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. What all do you do outside? Do you just fly fish? Not to be judgmental, but if you just fly fish, I think you're missing out quite a bit. A lot of people do a lot more than just fly fish. Hardcore fly fishermen and fly fisher women do a lot more than just fly fish. It's always interesting for me to read the statistics and the numbers regarding the fly fishing industry. We consider the fly fishing industry to be super important, and it is. A lot of really good friends, a lot of people I look up to, a lot of um, companies that I've had great experiences with are in the fly fishing industry. At the same time, the fly fishing industry is this tiny fraction of the fishing industry, which itself is a small fraction of the outdoor industry, which is a fraction of the sporting goods industry. And so the reality is, is there's a lot more people doing a lot more than just fly fishing when people go outside. In fact, if you were to grab any random person off the street and say, name an outdoor activity, they'd probably say fishing, but there's a lot of other things they would certainly say before they got to fly fishing. So what I've been thinking about and what I wanted to share is why I think that diversifying your diversifying is not what we're going to call this. That's not a word. It's not even a very good portmanteau of diversify and fly fishing. So we're talking about diversifying your outdoor experience and how that can benefit you in a number of different ways while still um, keeping fly fishing as a focus and actually making you a better fly angler. So the first is what are other things you can do? Um, the easy answer is just get outside. And here's, here's what I mean by that. Just go for a walk. Go for a walk without a rod, without flies. Go for a walk without a gun. Go for a walk without a purpose. Just get out. 
When you get out, it's amazing the kind of things that you observe. Now, you know, when you're fly fishing, you have this very singular focus. You have a rod, you have a line, you have a leader, you have a tippet, you have a fly. And you want that fly to go in a certain spot because that spot directly flows to another spot where you anticipate a trout being. So in a lot of ways, you have this direct line, literally a line, but a, a, a figurative line from your eye down your arm to your hand to your rod to your line to your fly and then a trajectory that you're focusing on. And that's good. That's important. That's essential. But at the same time, there's a lot that we're missing out on. Now, that doesn't mean that fly fishing is some sort of lesser activity than bird watching or um, just observing nature. It just goes to show that when we're fishing, our focus becomes very intense and narrow in a very, very singular way. When we go fly fishing and we are walking to the stream, I know I'm always amazed at the kind of things that I notice when I'm walking than I don't notice when I'm fishing. I see a lot more wildlife. I notice a lot more people. I'm always startled at how easily someone can sneak up on me when I'm fly fishing. I consider myself a pretty alert and with it person, but I've been snuck up on um, a lot of times while I'm fishing, both by people and by animals. Nothing frightening like a bear or a cougar or a crazed mountain person, but I've had foxes and deer and other animals snuck up on me, and maybe I've snuck up on them. But it just shows, again, that narrow focus. So by just getting outside and observing, it's amazing how you still have an intense focus, but the, the crack of, of a twig being stepped on by a deer, the um, rustle of something in the weeds, um, a, a bird kind of moving in the periphery, things like that, you begin to notice them more and you begin to appreciate them. And again, second tangent, Appreciating things, I think, is really, really important. It, it really enriches a day when we're not catching a lot. And every one of us has days like that. So if you can come home and say, hey, I saw a bald eagle today, or hey, I found a bear track, or oh, I found some morel mushrooms, then a day that would be kind of um, quantitatively uh, bad, no fish to hand, few strikes, etc., is now qualitatively good because you experienced a lot more. And so those are some of the things as far as like um, conceptually that, that I consider to be beneficial by diversifying your outdoor experience. So now, what does that look like? Just getting outside. What does that look like? Going and standing in the middle of a field? Maybe, I suppose somebody could argue that that would be a worthwhile uh, thing to do. Um, hiking. And it doesn't have to be an intense up the top of the mountain you know, um, plant a flag at a peak kind of hiking. It can just be a local wildlife management area. It could be a local um, park that has walking trails. What I would actually suggest doing, and I'll kind of come back to this later, is walking around the places that you fish, but leaving your rod in the car. Not leaving your rod in the car saying, I'm gonna just walk for five minutes, walk for 10 minutes, simply to run back and grab it because you saw one fish rise. Just go there. Just go there and walk around. Go there and observe. And, and again, I know I'm, I'm kind of going off the trail, um, literally and figuratively here, but bring other people with you. If there's somebody who isn't going to fish, they just have, they've said they don't want to do it. 
And there's people that are like that. We can evangelize and, and share um, what we believe to be the good news about fly fishing till we're blue in the face, but there's some people that just aren't going to be into it. You're not into stamp collecting, probably, and that's okay. Stamp collectors think you're weird, but that's okay that you don't collect stamps. There are people out there that aren't going to like fly fishing, but they probably can appreciate nature. And they probably are going to appreciate things that you like to see and you like to enjoy when you're fly fishing, but that you can also see and look at and enjoy and appreciate when you don't have a rod in your hands. So you can point out a plunge pool. You can point out an undercut bank. You can, you can tell a story about how you caught a fish, and they might not be so interested in how many inches it is or what kind of fly you used, but they'd probably be interested to know why you chose that spot to cast to. And so as you're walking and you're talking, you're not only enjoying the experience of somebody else, but you're thinking about nature in a little bit broader way. And you're able to introduce somebody, whether it be a spouse or a child or a friend that is either resolutely against fly fishing or maybe somebody that you're thinking might be a target to bring into fly fishing and, and this kind of uh, adventure with you. Those are things definitely worth considering. So you can bring other people. You get a lot out of it. So what does it look like? Again, back to the topic at hand. Hiking. Trail running. Trail running is one of my favorite things to do. In fact, if all my fly rods were stolen in a fire, uh, stolen in a fire, if all my fly rods were stolen or lost in a fire, I would be very upset, but I would begin trail running more. I love it. I love being able to summit a mountain very quickly. I love being able to see a lot. I like the the um, experience of moving through the woods very quickly. There's a feeling that's indescribable. This isn't a trail running podcast. It's a fly fishing podcast. I actually join trail running with fly fishing. It allows me to do two things that I really enjoy um, at the same time. I get to move further away from people. I get to experience things I don't usually experience when I'm just walking in the woods um, with all my gear on. If you're interested in trail running and fly fishing together, there is a post on castingacross.com about kind of what that looks like, what the gear that I use is, and some more of my justification and rationalizing for, um, for trail running and fly fishing. So um, easy ones, hiking, um, just walking, trail running, hunting. I can't tell you how many fish I've seen while I'm hunting. You're sitting in a deer stand, there's very few situations in life that I've found where I am focusing on the minutia of what is going on around me than deer hunting. Usually it's in a season where there's not a lot going on, so you're not distracted by a whole lot of action. But whether it be deer hunting from a tree stand or uh, turkey hunting from a turkey blind or even just stalking something, you're moving either slowly or not at all, and so you're doing a lot of observation. So even if you're not a big hunter, mixing that in not only gives you those opportunities to observe, but it also prolongs your outdoor exposure. And again, a third tangent, at least, if you're keeping track, probably more than third, you might just like getting outside. And getting outside is one of the reasons a lot of people go fly fishing. A lot of places, people don't have the luxury of 12 months of fly fishing or even 10 or 8 months of getting out on a trout stream or a bass pond. And so mixing in these other activities keeps you outdoors. There are a lot of points of continuity and a lot of places where things 
very much flow together um, with with other outdoor activities, especially the the sporting type activities, um, fly fishing and upland bird hunting. There's a lot of similarities there, um, but you can make the same uh, argument for deer hunting or turkey hunting, or um, with with something like steelhead fishing, for example. Um, we won't get into that much, but there is a lot of continuity between those activities, but it also gets you outside, and it's a great way to get fly tying materials. But anyway, other things, foraging. This spring, I ran into some guys, I didn't run into them, it was a planned activity, um, and we were fishing together in Pennsylvania, and they forage. Um, so we're talking plants, we're talking um, other things that you find in the woods that you can eat or you can use in your home, um, one of which is mushrooms. Now, how often have you come across a mushroom or a toadstool while fishing and eaten it? Hopefully not very often, unless you know what you're doing. Um, interesting story, real quick. There was a man named John Cage who was a um, composer who began to um, write music in the 1930s, but really came into prominence in the 1960s and 70s as he began to write incredibly abstract music, um, chants, and this is all a big worldview expression, um, really showing um, the meaninglessness of life, as people have often tried to do. Um, interestingly enough, this guy was also a mushroom hunter, and uh, when asked about that, he said, I play by the rules when I'm hunting mushrooms. You don't want to mess around with that. You can make silly music all day long, um, but when it comes to hunting mushrooms, you want to know what you're doing. That being said, when you're fishing, when you're hunting, when you're hiking, you will come across mushrooms that are not only good, but they are fantastic. If you're not a mushroom person, um, then you'll find that some of the mushrooms that people harvest from foraging out in the woods will change your mind. Um, they are a whole different um, ball of wax than what you find in a little can in the supermarket. But this, again, is something where it, it changes your focus. You're not just looking at the water. You're not just following your rod to your line, to your leader, to your fly. You're looking all around you, and you're experiencing, and you're exploring. When you're by a stream, and again, you don't have that stuff in your hand, you're going to see things that you've never seen before. It's kind of like when you're driving in a car, you notice certain things. You notice turns, you notice um, the, the very close proximity to the road, uh, the curbs and other highlights. But then somebody else drives, you're in the passenger seat, you experience your same normal commute in a whole new way. And that's kind of like what, a, what, what going on a, um, an outdoor uh, excursion, I mean, it sounds a little bit extreme, but you know what I mean, getting outside without your fly rod. You're seeing things in a whole new light because that, that item that kind of channels your focus, channels your, your energy, uh, channels your um, intensity is not there. And you kind of are able to see anything and everything that may come across, which actually doesn't necessarily mean things outside the water. It just means things outside of that narrow focus of where you're fishing. So consider expanding your outdoors horizons. You don't lose your fly fishing 
cred if you also hike, if you also do trail running, if you also do other types of fishing. It might, again, increase your opportunities to get outdoors. It might increase your opportunities to see your local water in different lights. It may expose friends, family, and loved ones to just being outside where they otherwise wouldn't. They definitely wouldn't go fishing, but they might accompany you to check out your favorite spots um, for fishing, even if you're just going for a walk. So think about that. Think about what you can do to add some other things to your repertoire. Plus, at the end of the day, it gives you an opportunity to buy more stuff or get more stuff or trade in some of the stuff you already have for different stuff, which stuff isn't the end game, but it's kind of fun to, you know, have new outdoor gear. Um, and you also find that there's a lot of crossover between uh, what you could use for hunting, hiking, um, and fishing. And actually, and caveat seven, tangent eight, rabbit hole nine, um, there's a lot of stuff that I have bought for trail running, hiking, hunting, that is better than the stuff that you find in the quote-unquote fly fishing only section. So that's another cool thing. You really do get uh, exposed to some gear that can change the way that you fly fish. My recommendation for today's podcast is Appalachian Furled Leader Company. You want to go to AppalachianFurledLeaderCo.com or just Google Appalachian Furled Leader Company. Appalachian Furled Leader Company makes, um, in my opinion, the best furled leaders out there. And if you've never fished with a furled leader, buy one now and give it a try. They are inexpensive. The most expensive one, the Appalachian Furled Leader Company, sells is $15. It's their Euro Hybrid Leader. It's a leader that is um, 76 inches, I think, and it has three different colored portions, so kind of two cider portions. Um, it's a great way if you don't do Euro nymphing, Czech nymphing, French nymphing, whatever you want to um, call it. If you don't do that style of nymphing and you kind of want to see a little bit of what it's like, um, this is a great way to begin kind of toying with that technique. But um, I use that one, but I also use the Bloom Line leader a lot. It is a short um, three foot leader that I put on my two, three, and four weights. And so all I have to do is add a three, four, or five foot section of straight tippet on the end when I want to fish mountain brook trout streams. It's one um, less thing for me to worry about. It turns over flies beautifully. If I even only have three or four feet of fly line out the end of my rod tip, as you often do when you're fishing small streams. I use the big meat leaders when I'm fishing for bass. They're um, three foot uh, fluorocarbon um, big meat leader is what I use for my popper fishing when I'm fishing poppers in the summertime for bass. That's what I use exclusively. They have some just general purpose ones, some other specific ones, but you definitely want to check out Appalachian Fold Leader Company for between um, 10 and $15. You can get an awesome leader that's going to last you at least one season unless you put it through a lot of abuse. I put mine through a lot of abuse and a lot of them have lasted more than one season. So definitely check them out. Appalachian Fold Leader Company. Um, for furled leaders for really all of your fly fishing. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and then rate the podcast in iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.